Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. And I'm Aubrey, and we're so glad that you're here with us today. We know some of you are new to the podcast, and we are so, so grateful that you're here. Yeah. And some of you are longtime listeners. We're grateful for you, too. But Nothing Is Wasted, it's our passion to really help you partner with God to reclaim your story. And today's... Today's conversation is one of those stories. It, this is Talk about a, reclaiming. This, I'm telling Man. you, this is a narrative that only God could write. Uh, so Chris wow. and Steph Teague, listen to this, high school sweethearts, they went on mission trips when they were in high school. They got married in college. Yeah. Okay, so they're kind of living the dream as yep. this Christian couple. But then later on <laughs> in their marriage... Spring, right? And that was yeah. ring before spring. <laughs> yeah, ring before spring. That's right. She definitely uh, got hers. Um, her husband, Chris, came to her and told her that he no longer believed in God, wow. didn't want to be married anymore after living a secret life with addictions, alcohol and drugs, and sin, which I think is really interesting, Davey, because in this day and age of deconstruction, I actually have some friends who are going through similar things too, where one spouse has just decided they're done. And, and what wow. do you do with that, right? Yeah, right? So Chris and Steph ended up getting divorced within five months. And for Stephanie, this season was a newfound intimacy with hmm. the Lord. But here's what's wild. This is why I'm so excited we're sharing their story. Because the Lord wasn't done with Chris yet. That's right. And God called Chris back to himself, called Chris to pursue Steph again. Whew. They are remarried now and they have two kids. That's wild. They're also in a band where they they play music and talk about yeah. their story. It's called yeah. Out of the Dust. So yeah. this conversation, you yeah. are not going to want to miss it. And, and normally so we good. don't give like spoiler alerts, but it would be confusing for you. If yeah, you didn't we understand like, some of the context right. <laughs> and we're interviewing both of them and they're like yeah. lovey-dovey with each other and stuff. Right, but, right. So you need to understand the full breadth of their story or at least like the overview of it so that you can dive in and they're going to talk about how all this happened, right? How did it go awry? Yeah. How did God yeah. pursue and call him back into faith and how did he end up then pursuing Love it? Her and then and then the remarriage. I mean, it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. I mean, Appropriately named their like, band Out of the Dust. Out of the Dust. I feel like there's a Hallmark movie coming out with that name. <laughs> I know. Out of the right? Dust. They're talented their musicians story. too. Very talented. So you need to go check out all their check stuff their on music. YouTube. In fact, yep. in this episode, we actually do a brief clip of of a song that they wrote because cool. It mentions the phrase, nothing is wasted. It was very appropriate. Come on. Yeah. Oh, very so we, cool. we made sure to put that in there toward the end of this conversation. So I you're going to enjoy that. that. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and dive in and listen to this conversation that I have with Chris and Steph Teague. Chris, Steph, great to have you guys on the Nothing is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Hey. Hey. We're excited to be here. <laughs> well, I know you guys have a, a very um, unique story, a really, uh, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a, it can be, it's a very heartbreaking story as well. And yet I'm yeah, so encouraged by much. seeing the redemption that God is doing both in your lives and through your lives. And so I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right <laughs> in. Uh, I know every time we have a couple on, we have such rich conversation because we're able to get multiple vantage points 
of as you walk through this. But it also takes a lot of time. So we're going to dive in and we're going <laughs> to, I want you guys yeah. to be able to share everything about what's going on and encourage our hearts with this. So before we kind of dive into your story, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you guys, where you guys live, what your family's like, what, you know, what do you do right now? Yeah. I feel weird smiling while we're like describing our story as heartbreaking. I'm like, yes, yes. It's so heartbreaking. Uh, dude, I uh, feel like that all the time. We, we literally get on every episode and we're like, we're so excited for you to hear this story. Oh, it's really heartbreaking, but yeah. it's amazing what God does through it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is a blessing having two people because we, we kind of like split the if one of us starts to flounder or, you know, so true. Get, We're each get other's off track, safety. <laughs> yeah, great safety net. But we yeah. uh, we are south of Nashville um, in a town called Murfreesboro. Um, we have two kids, Asher and Nora. They are uh, eight and seven and almost nine. And we are full-time what we have been called musicianaries, um, <laughs> traveling the country, We've always used music as the platform to tell the story of what God did, the miracle mm. that He did in our lives, and, and what um, He can do in everybody's. Yeah, and 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 obviously, I think your your audience is probably well acquainted with this, but you know, God is not the God of one happy ending. Um, yeah, you know, we don't we don't travel and tell our story to say, "Hey, this is what you can have too," right? Yeah. It's right. just as that, far as how our story ends. Yes, yeah. yes. It's that yeah. God is the God of all endings and can make mm -hmm. right. all things beautiful yeah. when we surrender that to Him. Redeems yeah. it all. Yeah. Yeah. We often say this is the stories that we never wanted to write, and yet God writes even better <laughs> stories than what we could intend to write. You know, that's, it's like that's perfect. Yeah. That's man. Well, why don't we dive into that a little bit? Why don't you guys take us back in your journey? Because I mean, we we often talk about this idea of journeying from pain to purpose, and that's really, I mean, you guys are just a shining example of that in terms of the purposes that are flowing out of you out of this deep pain that you guys experience. So why don't you take us back to the beginning of the story and just kind of uh, bring us along the journey? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we. Gosh, I, as soon as I saw. Your podcast, I think we followed each other somehow on on Instagram or whatever, and, and I, I was perusing your page, and I was like, man, this, I don't know who this guy is, but I, I learned your story, and I thought, man, this is this is so similar to what we do and, and, and what and what we um, tell, at least in the heart of it, you know? Yeah. So really happy to be here. And our story, you know, knowing that story is so powerful and, and how God can use story, you know, in Revelation, it even says that, you know, the, the, the enemy is overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Right. So, um, yeah, we carry our story everywhere we go, and it's still unfolding. Mm -hmm. uh, but ours starts many years ago for us. Uh, we were um, 16. Mm -hmm. and she was 16. I was 17 when we met. Um, and we're in the process of writing a book right now. So all of this, we're living in that. So all of this yeah. early, <laughs> yeah. this early season, like it's really beautiful to go back and remember yeah. all of that. Yeah. Um, but we met very early on a mission trip to Philadelphia, <laughs> of all places. Like mission field. <laughs> yeah, you know, it just yeah. it's just the the wild jungle um, of Philadelphia. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we met. Neither of us were looking for love. Um, Stephanie even had a boyfriend at the time, but we, <laughs> God just sort of knit our hearts together on this trip. We weren't trying. Um, it wasn't forced. It just happened. And, 
You know, we did have the hiccup of um, Stephanie having to break up with her boyfriend oh <laughs> when we got back. But anyway, my very serious. Yeah, it was so serious, right? Yeah, um, but it, it wasn't an early obstacle. Um, <laughs> so we stayed in the same town. We got married. We went to college together. Uh, well, those I reversed those, but we yeah. went got married to, halfway through college. Halfway through yeah. college. Yeah. Oh wow, you're brave. We, yes. Or, or stupid. There are other, there are uh, other naive, one of those. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what people were yeah. thinking to let us do that. But, um, yeah, we, we, I mean, you can jump in, but we categorize this season of our life as looking good on paper, you know, like mm. doing what we were told to do to have a good life, right? Or, or at least doing what we thought was expected of us, right? Yeah, super involved in church, worship, you know, volunteer worship leaders. We both had part-time positions at our church. Just, yeah, all all yeah. the right thing, all the things that a good Christian couple does here in the South. And like a lot of people here in the South or even just all around the country in, this, in, the, in the greater body of Christ, we have this checklist, but we we didn't have some of those like pillars of spiritual formation happening or, or really even being taught to us. You know, we weren't in deep communal relationships. We had friends, you know, but we weren't. And it's not our. I don't want to put this just on the church, but we, you know, we we weren't being cultivated in that way, having genuine like sharing what's really going on in our life. Because for me, what was really going on was I was walking through this season of really serious and existential doubt about about God and and is he there is he who I've been taught that he is is he is he even real yeah and um I can be you know deconstruction is this whole thing right. now and, and there's so much like grace and empathy and and solidarity around that topic but um I don't know I don't want to make myself sound special but that wasn't as big of a conversation you know, this yeah, is back, kind of, yeah, you're, yeah. You're right. yeah. I mean, this is like, like 10, 12, 10, 12 years, years ago. ago yeah. So, right. Or even before that, I mean, this could have been 15 years. So, uh, when all of that started happening, so I felt very alone and, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to share either, you yeah. know, cause it's, it's hard. And I, right. and so I just hid and hiding opened the door to other sin, other brokenness in my life, seeking out something mm. to, to make, you know, outside of this taught, expressed way of Jesus, I'm looking outside of that, you know, to, to try and satisfy. So uh, <laughs> I mentioned we went to college together. Uh, I'm in the music industry. Stephanie's going to school for education. She has a master's degree, by the way. She's a smarty pants <laughs> in education. And I'm um, really using that today. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. I use it on my own children. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely, you do. You use it on me. Um, you need to anyway. And um, and so, yeah, I was in the music industry, which is, you know, like a super wholesome place for <laughs> a struggling, doubting yeah, right. young man. And I uh, fell into parties and drugs and alcohol and, and you know, just all these caricatures, these these um, right. stereotypical things that people, right. you know, fall into. But for me, it was, it was really trying to medicate and, and mitigate and suppress mm. the shame that I had. Um, and those are big fancy words to just say that I was, I was, in a way, I was engaging in this form of idolatry, replacing what, what can be found in only Jesus through these other things. And wow. no one knew. 
No one knew what I was going through. I'm hiding everything, even from Stephanie, my wife, who's supposed to be my best friend, who I can share everything with. She knew some things, but it was very, 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 very little. And that drove a wedge between us. It drove a wedge between me and God, me and the church. I'm leading worship still. We're serving and volunteering in all these different ways. But I got to the point where I didn't even believe, and yet I'm still playing the part Wow! in front of everybody. And that's yeah. just so much... Even uh, the only person who, the only people who knew the the most real, I can't even say that though, because you know I had a version of me with with these friends that I would go out and get drunk and have parties and all that with, um, and then I had this other crowd that knew this other part of me, but there was this, there's no like, yeah, no one knew the whole story, yeah, and uh, the lie that I started to hear was, well, you would be happy if you weren't married anymore because like that was the linchpin I guess that I needed to believe was the the problem not that I'm separated not that I'm not known fully it's it's that I'm being held back in some way and so I believed that lie and that led me to a night in January I could talk forever uh please interrupt me someone uh, but that led me to in 2010 in 2010 that led me to a night of everything coming to a head, you know, I, I decided, I decided that um, I didn't want to be married anymore, and that all surfaced uh, in 14 words. Um, truthfully, that I shared, like it was 14 words out of my mouth, um, right before we had dinner with Steph's family. I said, "Hey, can we talk? Uh, I don't believe in God anymore, and I don't." want to be married anymore. Wow. Um, mm. And it wasn't a cry for help. That was really like what I thought was best, not just yeah. for me. You know, I had these lies swimming that yeah. it was good, somehow that it was good for her too because we're so different now. And yeah. instead of seeking wholeness and unity in that covenant, um, mm. I just wanted to isolate and separate. So, Wow. Man, Steph, I know that, I mean, that had to have... I mean, I can't imagine how that landed on you, you know, and, and I want to... Mm-hmm. We've written songs moment. about it. Yeah, <laughs> right. I want to put a pin in that for a second yeah. and come to, you know, what what your response was or what your um, initial reaction or feelings were in that. But I'm curious first, Chris, if if now is looking back on it, um, what became kind of the catalyst for some of this, as we can term it, deconstructionism mm-hmm. for you, you know, yeah. which... Was this was this some kind of a as you look back on it was it some kind of a deep, uh, you know, pain point that you were experiencing or was it kind of very much what many of us come to head with? You know, I'm reading a book right now called The Critical Journey, where it talks about every one of us in our faith coming to a place where we begin to say, "Wait, this faith construct that I have learned, <laughs> mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to be holding up in this world that I'm experiencing right now." And so you have to almost come into your own understanding of it, right? And so that's almost everybody's journey. But for you, how would you pinpoint the the catalyst that began to unravel some of these, you know, long-standing beliefs that you had or these practices or this, you know, faith that you were carrying? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, um thought a lot about it. I don't get asked about it a ton, so it's really fun um mm. when I do. Yeah, people um, in in Christian circles are very scared. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, well, we're so glad you came back to the faith, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah. But, we, but don't talk about the questions that you had that might lead other people into having right. questions. <laughs> but, the, but the amazing thing is that, you know, there's these spiritual teachers that will say that that critical journey, you know, this this journey of, you know, integration and then disintegration and then reintegration. There's a lot of these words that we use or, or you know, wholeness and then deconstruction and reconstruction. That's that is critical, right? And I think maybe one of the biggest things that led to that for me was not knowing that inspecting and letting some of those things die or letting some of those ideas that I had, those beliefs and and those things that were coming to the surface, letting my faith break apart can be healthy, right? We just, we so... I was talking with a friend about this the other day. Sorry, I'm going to go off on a tangent. I'll, I'll right. absolutely a- answer. Yeah. Um, I think that it comes down, why are, why are we as the church afraid or why are we as people afraid of that? And some of it is, I think that we don't trust the Holy Spirit to work mm. in people's lives through their broken faith, through yeah. their, through their, like, even just lies that, they can they believe that need to burn away right yeah and we want to control and oh you you know we're seeing people go down a hard road not realizing mm-hmm. that that hard road could even potentially you know we want to draw them back to jesus right but but those journeys away can can lead wow. and that for me i think was was probably part of it because i was very much into science very much into I still am you know just the mysterious what we don't know about the universe what we don't and I couldn't, I didn't have an analog to that in, in, in my spiritual journey, right? There yeah. wasn't this cultivation of, of the experience of God, of who God is, of the flow of the Spirit. It was very um, academic and very belief-based, structure-based, idea-based. And, you know, that, those, yeah. yeah, 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 systematic theology. Right. And those are all, fan- they're great, Right. Right. But they're dead if they're not paired with the spirit and, and this yeah. this mystical thing that we can't put God into a yeah. box like we want to. So I think at, at 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 the core level, I think that had that's at least one way I would answer that question. That's really good. I find so often, you know, just jumping off of that, that they that's that, that people try to hold those two things mutually exclusive. Mm. You no. Know? It's like you either you you've got sound doctrine and really ho- strong constructs of systematic theology, or you are operating in the mysteries and the flow of the spirit, but you can't have you can't merge the two, right? Yeah, and for the some reason, is, it's, this, it's like the <laughs> East West thing, right? We're we're in yes. the West and we forget, or at least aren't even told, like, hey, we're swimming in the ideological yes. waters of even the Enlightenment, and just bringing to yes. the table this whole thought-based, idea-based culture that we we don't know we're swimming in those waters, right? right. So to right. even wake people up to that, to that mystery or 
this other way of thinking that there's even something else to reconcile with the ideas and the, and the head heart thing. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, even Jesus said this, right? And again, we're going off on a tangent. Well, I'll, <laughs> come, I'll come back around here on this, but even <laughs> Jesus said, you know, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. Yes. He didn't hold those two things mutually exclusive, right? Mm. And you have yeah. these camps that are debating at that time, debating like, well, how are we worshiping? We're worshiping on this mountain, or this mountain, those, yeah. you know, it's like, no, we've got to hold those two things together in tension, marrying those two things. You know, I don't know. I'm, you guys are probably familiar with Bayma podcast. I've been talking about it recently on our podcast quite a bit. Have you heard of this, Bayma? No. Uh-uh. Okay. Bayma. All right. Sorry. Again, we're going off on a tangent, but it's exactly, Chris, <laughs> what you were just talking about with the Eastern Western ideologies. Cool. And how we have to understand as Western civilization, right? We have to understand that we impose that Western ideal, the Western ideals, Hellenistic ideals Mm -hmm. into our faith when everything in scripture is written for and written in the context of an Eastern audience. Mm. So we miss so much of it. So Bema kind of helps to unpack some of that stuff, but you'll appreciate this as a a musician. He, He comes out of the gate, Marty Solomon does, talking about... A, a piano, if you were to play just with your, you know, as musicians, you guys will love this. The If you just play with your left hand, you're playing the bass notes, right? And you you honestly can't make out, if you just played those bass notes, you probably wouldn't, unless you're very intuitive musically, make out what song you're playing. Right. Right? Well, then your right hand's playing most of the melody, and you can make that out, but it lacks a lot of substance. It's not full. But so it's like that's the the Western and Eastern trying to play those separately. But if you play them together, it brings this full, rich experience of who God is. Nobody wants to hear the Charlie Brown theme one hand at a time, right? <laughs> that's da, right. Da, 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 two different da, da, songs. Da, da, da. That's so true. And and I just kind of wish that that um, the church would allow space for us to wrestle with those things. Hmm. And I'm sure you do too, Chris, because. <laughs> It might have changed your journey a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know it would have. And that's not some of that. <laughs> some of that, again, is just I can't I don't want to blame the church specifically. There's there there is or at least put all the blame on the church. Right. Um, but that's also one of those things where it's like, hey, that was something that just took a little longer to break apart in my life. You know, the Holy Spirit still worked and now he doesn't always. Uh, some people yeah. never quite get to that reconstruction phase, yeah. which is so sad, but, but to yeah. know that and to see maybe in me, if he can, if he can bring back and, and, and save and, and if a guy like me can reintegrate and, and find a way back to Jesus, maybe, mm. maybe, maybe other people can too. Wow. Wow. Okay, Steph. So this, this news lands on you, these 14 words. Yeah. He speaks them to you. Talk to me about how did how did I mean how did that make you feel? Like mm-hmm. where were you on your journey and, and where did that intersect with you all of a sudden? It was like a nice, nice cup of hot cocoa, wasn't it? <laughs> oh my it? gosh. <laughs> I oh my gosh. I mean I, wow. I I literally and people use that word literally all the time. Like I literally could not speak yeah. mm-hmm. um because I couldn't process what was happening. Um Cause I'm very, you know, I'm very logical. I'm Enneagram one, like very mm. black and white had yeah. my, my life planned out. That's where I found so much security. And so for him to say that I, it's like, I couldn't function because this mm. life that I thought I knew just in a, in five seconds was ripped out from under me. And so 
I mean, I <laughs> even talking about it, I'm like, I don't even know what I said. I know at some point I ended up like in our bedroom, just in bed because I just couldn't, I couldn't process, mm. you know. And you were processing, your brain was trying to, I remember yeah. following you like around the house, like just say something, like say something, but you, yeah, you couldn't speak. Yeah, because I, I mean, I had seen little things, right? Like in hindsight, yeah. it's always twenty twenty. But um, I knew that we weren't in the best place. I knew that we had been having communication issues and noticing little things where he, you know, wasn't praying or he wouldn't want to be a part of some of the events and things at church or leading worship or things. Um, but I just, I attributed it to we are in a really busy season. You know, we both. We got married in college. Then I went right to graduate school. We were working school, all of that. So I just assumed, okay. And we just bought a house like not that long before. So got dogs, <laughs> all the things. So <laughs> right. I just figured, okay, let's just get through this busy season, get settled. It'll get better. It'll get better. And so I, I kind of, I think self, in self-protection, chose to remain naively optimistic about what yeah. was going on. And so, mm. yeah, it was, it was like a bomb going off <laughs> that I mm. did not anticipate at all. And so, you know, from there, I I fought for our marriage for a while. We still lived in the house together for about a month mm. and didn't matter what I said. It didn't matter what I did. I couldn't convince him to stay. Yeah, we've said wow. a lot that I was like an iron fist with a velvet glove. You know, I, I didn't want to hurt anybody. And I was very nice, very cordial. I, I truly did not want to hurt her, but it also, at a point, like I, nothing could stop me. Everybody was meeting with me, trying to change my mind, figure out what's going on. But it didn't matter. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. You know. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, and I think in that in that about month or so of of trying to make something work. You know, I also, it was terrifying for me to hear yeah. his, you know, his lack of faith. And like these, yeah. we would have some conversations about, you know, he was telling me about reasons why he couldn't like believe some of the things in the Bible. And I was not equipped to, not that I could have said anything that would change his mind at that point anyway. <laughs> but I mean, that was terrifying for me and my very boxed in faith in my yeah. belief in the Bible and what I had been raised in. Cause at that point I'm like 23, you know, and, and still figuring not, out who not an, I am. Not a, um, a theological apologist. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So, right. um, so after, you know, a month or so I ended up moving in with my parents and a mm. month or so later he had filed for divorce. Well, it's, I mean, it's, really difficult in marriage in general when you have two people who are, you know, oftentimes opposites, very complementary. Mm -hmm. Depends on how you want to frame it, right? They're just yeah. <laughs> very different, but but the reason or there's a reason the Lord kind of put you together. It's very difficult to hold space for each other for your struggles in general. But when you found yourself almost at complete odds in terms of your faith journey and all the mm -hmm you know, all the, the presuppositions that come along with that, right? Like you're building your entire life around this is, this is what we believe and this is how yeah. we operate and this is how we fit into culture. And this is how, yeah. we, you know, this is our worldview. You know, yeah. I have to imagine Stephanie, that just really threw everything for you. Just, just, I mean, a complete, I mean, it caused 
your head your head to be spinning you're you know just going what do i do you even talked about shame you know like yeah because and i had told him through that season i was like i I'm willing to figure this out, you know, I, yeah. I, and I think I, I believed that he would come back to the faith at some point. I didn't know mm. how long that journey would be, you know, if we were to stay together that we could, we could figure it out. You know, I don't like how, I know you raised the question of, well, what do we do with our kids when we have kids someday? I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, but I believed, I just, I believed in the covenant that we had and, um, yeah, it, I couldn't, couldn't convince him of that. Was it difficult, Stephanie, to not personalize some of this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk I to think, me about that a little bit. Man, I, I think my default, I have grown a lot. Suffering does that to you. Yeah. Um, Come on. But I, there are things that I brought into our marriage that I didn't even realize were kind of toxic. Um, you know, everybody could see what he was doing, right? Like the mm. sin and, and his choice to leave and all of that. But I... I was able to see through that process and after, you know, we had separated that I had a lot of, uh, a lot of pride, a lot of self-righteousness, a lot of judgment that I brought in. And so for him to leave, I did, like you said, I, I experienced a lot of shame and felt foolish because again, in your gram one, like you do the right thing. Like if right. you do the right, right thing, the right outcome should happen. Yep. Like that, right. that was this ridiculous construct that I had of the world. You were in Proverbs. You hadn't gotten to Ecclesiastes. (laughs) Yeah. From somebody who grew up in a, in a beautiful, godly nuclear family, I had not had to face things Mm. like that before. And so I had been, I was an achiever and you know, you just, you do the right things. That's what you do. And, and so, yeah, I, I think at first it was, it was really easy for me to play the victim Mm. and assume like I didn't cause this I didn't I didn't choose this which is true I didn't choose the divorce I never would have yeah. chosen that but God very graciously showed me that I I wasn't faultless you know mm. I'm I'm not righteous without him I never will be so it was it was a season of growth and I could talk forever about the year that mm. that I went through that year but it was I would never want to do it again but like you said early on like I I wouldn't trade it for anything because of yeah. because of who I am now, who I know God to be now, you know, so mm. much richer and fuller of a relationship I have with him because of what I walk through. Mm. I can I can relate with that in some ways, Stephanie. I'm I'm an I'm an Enneagram three, but I'm a self-preservation mm-hmm. three, which I'm mm-hmm. learning mirrors a lot like a one yeah. in terms of your ideology. You just believe if I do the right thing, then the right things will follow, right? The success yep. will follow. I just have to do the right things. I have to be right and true and stay, you know, stay to the plumb line. And, you know, and so I, it can often um, cause me to, to not hold space for people who are uh, either questioning things or not, not doing the right thing or, you know, cause mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 you gotta like, here's the, like right here, stay within the guardrails and everything's going to be fine. Right. Yeah. And then we go through things in life that just blow that, that whole construct yeah. <laughs> up. Right. It's like, well, that's not true. Yeah. So what is that? Where does that leave me? Mm-hmm. You guys both now you're at this place where, or, or you, you know, you were at the, in this point of the, your story, you're, you're separated now. Where, how did God, where did God show up? What, talk to me about that for each of you. Yeah. Steph's kind of led beautifully to that point. Uh, how God, you know, kind of brought her and showed her the mirror, held up that mm-hmm. mirror to say, Hey, 
Um, I had some more uh, crashing to do. Um, and my all the floors that I fell through as I crashed, um, you know, it was just more... It's just a bunch of lies, you know, and I think I think that walking through um, a season like I walked through, it could be easy for me to pin it all on just, oh, it was doubt, oh, it was faith. Um, there's a lot of other things at play too. You know, there was there were those idols that I mentioned earlier where I'm chasing that, thinking that that is what will make me happy naively even thinking that happiness and joy is is like something that I can capture and and hold on to right yeah. not not that you know, or that I can even find it in a pursuit you know that right. that it right. that it's in a thing that it's in weed or or alcohol or friends or freedom you know freedom mm. unfettered is not free and that's what I found out because mm. I'm with girls now that I can be myself. I wanted to be myself. I didn't want to feel like I was being held back or held accountable, you know, and I believed this lie that that I would find that in freedom. Hmm. But freedom unfettered to do whatever we want to do. I think it was John Mark Comer. He said something to the effect of, um, uh, there's nothing more miserable than a heart that thinks it's only happy when it gets what it wants. Wow. And that is, that is me to a T is following these idols. And, and those idols had to break, had to fall away for me to get to a place where I was broken and yeah. desperate enough to even need God because those lies had to fall away. And, you know, they did, I was in, you know, relationships and, um, one of them went really, 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 really poorly. And, um, it caused when it ended, it kind of, exp it, it blew apart. Everything was heading to the edge of this cliff. Right. Mm -hmm. And all this baggage coming with me, all these kind of this house of cards getting taller and taller. And this was just the thing that, that started that collapse. And when it did collapse, everything kind of fell around me because I had devoted and made decisions to change and shape my entire life around these lies that I was believing. And so when they crumbled, everything in my life sort of imploded. Mm. And I was waking up in cold sweats, uh, battling anxiety, which was something I'd never, never dealt with. Um, you know, there was you know, some physical pain that I was battling in my body. Just it was, it, I was in very, very very rough shape because I was all alone. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd been driven so far to isolation. All I had was a mom who was just there to love me. Right. And stand mm -hmm. beside me, but everybody else had pushed away and, um, you know, falling flat on your face and having everything crumble around you has a way of helping you see things, a little more clearly than you could when, when things were clouded, you know, yeah. and in that brokenness, in that sort of just complete desperation, um, I encountered the experience that I needed from God because I had 
all of these intellectual doubts, all those things that we've talked about, this East-West, I was locked into that West thing, thinking yeah. that that's who God was. And he needed to meet me on a heart level. So I say all the time, God didn't find me through my head. He, he pursued my heart. Wow. And coming in contact with that, that, that love, that experience of transformational yeah. love, when we experience radical love in our most broken place, wow. you can't leave that unchanged. And thankfully, um, I didn't push God away, and I hadn't just said, no, there's no way we can ever know that there's a God. I may have said that, but the door was always open. So in this desperate, broken, tender place, my heart had broken open and God moved in. And man, it was, everything changed very quickly for me. You know, everything kind of fell apart really quickly. And our story happened very quickly. Stephanie makes fun of me all the time. If I do something, it's going to be hard and fast and hot (laughs) and heavy, right? So, um Things fell apart quickly, and and for me at least, they 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 did sort of rematerialize quickly. I was oh yeah, I'll, I'll shut up there for a <laughs> second. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. I mean, it's very uh, it, it's interesting to me that you were pushing back so much cerebrally, so it was your head that was really pushing back from faith, or at least coming up with all these reasons why. Yeah, it can't be possible, or God can't be real, and it was your heart that God had to really grab hold of. And I just, I mean, I think that even anybody <coughs> who's listening to this or watching this right now, that they're probably thinking of somebody who it's like, man, I'm I'm trying to get them to understand, or they have these questions, that, you know. It's like, what what if you just trusted the Holy Spirit to do His thing, the thing that only He can do that you can't. And you hold enough space to allow that person to see the Holy Spirit through you. You know, I think the best gift you could give somebody is, is of course, it, it's trying to lead them to Jesus. Number one, but how, it's it's the argument is how do we best do that? And if you were to ask me right now, I would say the best gift that you can give yourself, give someone in that situation, is just yourself. You know that that you aren't going to leave them, that you're with them, you want to walk with them through this journey, and. The, and just to be a safe place for them. Yeah. Yeah. And my encouragement to anyone in that season is to not stop, right? Mm. To not to not just, okay, everything, this faith doesn't work for me. Uh, okay, I'm done, right? Mm. Just don't be done. Yeah. Um, because if you keep seeking, leaving room for whatever spirituality, whatever mysticism right. or religiosity, if you leave space for that in your life, I think God is going to continue to work. And I yeah. think I think that Jesus is the best and the most compelling spiritual teacher, rabbi, whatever that's ever lived. And I think that I could, it's hard and it doesn't always work because we're human and we're broken, but right, right. encouraging people to keep seeking. Uh, yeah. The, it, yeah. That's so good. That's so good. Stephanie, talk to me about your... Um, what, what was it? About a year is what you said? It's about a year that you guys uh, were separated? Yeah, a little, a little less. So, a little less, okay. Yeah, so after, after I had moved out um, and trying to <laughs> navigate all of the stages of, of grief or trauma or, you know, however you want to name it, you know, that the anger, the shame, the 
just feeling foolish, all the things. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for whatever reason that did push me towards God and not away. Cause I know, I feel like people mm. either go one way or the other. Um, but I, you know, I like, I went to a women's retreat that I didn't realize the theme was about finding joy in your suffering. And mm. I feel like I walked out of that equipped with so many scriptures that I read every day, <laughs> every day that just got in my brain and in my heart that God wasn't going to waste that season. Mm. You know, that he wasn't, he hadn't forgotten about me. He saw me, he was with me walking through that and he wasn't going to waste it. No matter wow. what my ending was, whether my ending had him in it or not, it was not going to yeah. be wasted. And so, um, so as I'm kind of <laughs> figuring out how to move forward as somebody who, you know, not only am I grieving my husband, I'm yeah. grieving my best friend. You know, I, I've known him since I was 16. Nobody knew me like he did. And right. and grieving this life that I had dreamed of. Our kids, you know, these all these conversations of, oh, what are our kids going to be like? What are yeah. they going to Like all of that's just gone. And so it took in me. In a moment. In, in a moment. moment, yeah. yeah. Uh. So it, it took me a long time, a long time, obviously. Um, but I think I, as much as I had said, like, okay, God, like my life is yours. I just, I want you to take, like, take this pain. We have a song called Take This, but like, take this pain away. I want, I'm ready to move on. For so long, I was still clinging to it, you know, still trying to grasp at some way to control the situation. And it wasn't until I was able to fully let it go that I felt peace, I think, for the first time walking through it. I saw hope for my future and what it could be. And, and so, again, I could, gosh, talk so long about the Do ways it. that... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well... Was, yeah, all the different ways. I mean, I mean, even just understanding where my identity is from mm. changed in that season. You know, again, I was really good at being the good girl, the good Christian girl, I'm achiever, you know, doing well in everything that I do. Proverbs. Like I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. I thought that was really in, that was really insightful, Chris. You you were at Proverbs, you just hadn't experienced Ecclesiastes yet, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't come up with it, but yeah. That's an equation, right? Like yeah. do the yeah. Um wow. so so moving away from finding my identity in in what I did and how yeah. my perception from other people of who I was in the world, um, moving to because forced to move that because you know that was stripped away, yeah. and just finding out my identity being just in and being a daughter of the mm. king and that was enough. Mm. You know, I, I didn't have to strive for that. I didn't have to do all of these things, get the checklist checked off to be that. Like that's. That's all that I need. Wow. And so, Easy yoke. Yeah, wow. so that that was a huge thing. I have tattooed, you know, I have a tattoo on my foot through that from that season yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so walking through that, getting to a place where I felt like, okay, like God, I can trust you with mm. this mess. I can trust you with the beauty that I believe and know that you are gonna bring mm. out of it, whatever that looks like. And yeah. so that was. I was starting to go through a divorce care class. I had bought a new house, and that's when um, I heard from this guy again. Several, well, you heard several from, months after the you divorce. heard from you heard from your parents, who'd heard from my mom, who had passed it through the grapevine that something was something going was on. Something was going on. And yeah. so I called. So to back up a little bit, um, I you know, 
it's so beautiful how different we are, how complimentary we are. <laughs> we didn't know that Boy, the we, second time around. We, we really compliment each other. Let me just put it that way. Uh, we're uh, very different. Very different puzzle pieces. Very yeah. different. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, there's two characters in the story of the prodigal son, mm-hmm. and both of them needed to be broken. Yeah. You know, wow. and God broke us in such different, but also spiritually such mm. similar ways. Because when everything happened to Stephanie, she had nothing like she, I'm so grateful that her suffering and that the loss did push her to the feet of Jesus, right? Mm. But she was desperate. She had nothing else. Where else can I go, Lord, right? I was broken and brought to my knees. Where else can I go? I'm alone. I'm broken. I'm isolated so far from home. God found me there in that place. I experienced his love. Um, and I just started opening the word. I started telling the truth. You know, I, mm. we have this idea. Um, again, I'll, I'll bring up John Mark Comer. He says, a lot of times what we do is we, we feel our feelings. We have them in our minds. And, and then we kind of sanitize all of that. And then we bring God what's left. We bring God the right answers. We bring God the right attitudes that we're supposed to have. But in Psalms, we have this beautiful picture of anger and depression and indictment. Indictment even, yeah. Yeah, and and (laughs) deep, deep doubt and questioning. And so I just started doing that, you know, being okay, being okay with where I was at and, um, you know, pouring out to God and receiving back, wow. you know, as I pour out, he pours in. I'm opening the word with with um, uh, an, an open heart instead of a critical eye. Things are just leaping off the page. It's this beautiful season. Uh, of, People of, are reaching back out yeah, to you. Like old so many friends, things, yeah. you know, coming back into the fray. This communal aspect is, is sort of happening. And I made this list in my phone of all the ways that God showed up that I just couldn't explain or, or, or you know, make sense of. Yeah. Because I knew someday that that, that headpiece would come kick back in. And this was an experience that was happening to me mm. that, that I wanted to document. And so along somewhere in that season, I started to hear this whisper. And I ignored it at first because um, she didn't tell you this. You, you asked her earlier how, she, how that made her feel. Um, I told her one time that even if we, even if I were to believe again, that we still didn't make sense, you know? Mm. And how crushing that is for a woman. It's like, oh, well, I'm still not good enough. Great. Okay. So that's where my heart was. Like, we still just don't make sense, even if I believed again someday. But I I started hearing this this whisper that turned into a, it wasn't an audible voice, but basically became like a shout to me. And I'd never heard anything, any message uh, as strongly and probably even to this day. Um. I felt like God was telling me to pursue her again. And so um, I reached out to her parents, and they you know, confessed, and uh, we're in the South. So uh, that, that makes sense, I guess, in the South. Well, you were a son to them. And I was like a son to them. And it felt like a good boundary, you know, yeah. like yeah. it felt respectful. Um, and so they called her, and I ended up at her house, and she wouldn't let me in, and um, she knew Not I was like coming. That. She knew I was coming. Um, but we walked the neighborhood and just shared stories of what God had done. This is really sweet evening, you know, of, of mm. sharing and like, yeah, I'll let you talk about that night. And... Well, and at the end of this two-hour conversation, he told me that 
God had told him that we should be together again. Mm-hmm. You know, just Very first conversation several months yeah. after being divorced. Yeah. And he was somehow <laughs> expecting me to be like, yeah. yeah. What did, I don't know what I expected. God can still... God can still redeem our stories with bro- with brokenness. <laughs> I was such a I was such a fool. No, I, but trying to do the right thing, you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just yeah. a little, and, a little, little. Uh, what do they call it? Gung ho. Yeah. yeah, a little ambitious about Trigger it. happy. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, as beautiful as that night was, as much as I saw the answer to hundreds, if not thousands, of prayers that have mm. been prayed on His behalf, on our behalf, trust takes time. And it should. So we tell everybody, if somebody wants to earn your trust back, they'll take the time to Mm. prove that to them. So, um, and you, you agreed to, (laughs) you might have been a little disappointed. I wanted to, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you agreed with that. But so we ended up taking, intentionally taking a few months just to do counseling. I think you had already started it anyway, separately to involve Mm. our community or pastors to be praying and Long story short, at the end of that season, everybody was, and with our counselor together, was in agreement that if we wanted to pursue reconciliation, that we should go for it. And we believe in a God of relationship, a God of redemption, a God that says nothing is too far gone to be redeemed. And so we went on our second first date (laughs) after that, and then we're remarried in a tiny ceremony. We waited again. We waited. We do. We even <laughs> that. That's awesome. And uh, so Love it was it. a little over a year from the point when my life exploded to remarriage. Um, wow. wow. And just real quick, it's easy for us to like look back in hindsight. We really were. We we made so many mistakes the first time, mm-hmm. and we were trying to be wise and and correct some of those mistakes by involving community mm-hmm. and by you know healing ourselves. You know, because mm-hmm. the best gift that God gave us in that time was himself. It wasn't each other, you know? If he had only redeemed us, that would have been enough, right? Right. Right. But we got this added gift, you know? And it's easy for me to look back and and us to, you know, for listeners to hear like, oh my gosh, look at how wise they are. I want everyone to know, like, here in my foolishness of after two hours telling her, hey, God wants us to be together again. We were still broken walking through this process, you know, and God can still use that if we just stay faithful to him and trust the season that he has us in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like to me there was like a, you know, humility was a big part of this whole thing. Just being, you know, humble before each other, humble before God and going, you know, like you said, Chris, you're not going to, you're not going to do it exactly right. You're not going to dot, dot all the I's and cross all the T's, even the second time around, even learning from your mistakes. You're going to, there's going to be brokenness involved in the whole process. There's brokenness involved in the redemption process. But the, I think the linchpin, that, that the, the, the distinct characterizing difference is humility, where we're like, mm. hey, I, I acknowledge that there's brokenness here. And Lord, I want you to fill that space and bring wholeness into these places. Steph, I... I um, you know, we have so many people who listen to this and um, for them, their story or their experience. And I just know this from, from, you know, our forums and, you know, our community platform, people who are engaging in stuff as well as like coaching that, that has done so many uh, women and wives have experienced some kind of sexual betrayal. Mm-hmm. This had to feel like some kind of a betrayal as well for mm-hmm. you. And it can be very difficult in those situations to, for trust to be rebuilt. 
And, and I love that you've yeah. already highlighted, hey, you know, let's, let's take some time and that Chris was willing to go through the time that for, for trust to be built. But can you talk about the inward battle for you? Like, that, I'm sure it wasn't like this just real linear process for you <laughs> where it's like, oh, every day there's just a little bit more trust and a little bit more trust and how clean right. and neat and pretty. Like, what, <laughs> talk about that like battle, because I'm sure that there was mm. something going on there with you going like waking up some mornings going, okay, I think that this is going to be healed and that it is healed. And then other days where it's like, well, I don't know about this, you know? Oh, that's sure. good. Yeah, I think... First and foremost, having somebody else, a, a counselor, a therapist, a pastor, walking you through that process is key <laughs> because Hopefully we, who has experience. Yes, that, yeah. yeah. Somebody who is, you know, rooted in the Bible, who can walk you through this um, because we, we could not have done it on our own. I know, mm. I don't think in a, in a healthy way, we very much couldn't have done it without the Lord first and foremost. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no, re- we didn't have kids to tie us together. Like this would not have happened mm. without him. But, but having other people to speak into it was so helpful. Cause one of the, I think one of the best tools that we had in rebuilding that trust was just a simple thing that our, our counselor told us. He said, um, set a time period. I think for us it was like three months or something. And he said, in those three months, nothing is off limits. So mm. I could ask him anything and everything that I wanted to know. You know, and and you have to be, we actually talked to somebody about this just yesterday, I think, but you have to be, as the person who was betrayed, you have to think through, okay, how much do I want to know? Yeah. <laughs> how is there are there certain things if I know it'll be hurtful or is it more helpful to know? So, yeah. you know, I'm somebody I would rather know all the things that happened so that I don't feel I don't know, blindsided if something Surprised came up later. Him, yeah. So so I was able to ask him everything. And same for him. You know, there are things that obviously that I brought into our marriage that was not healthy and and that caused some issues. So I would say it goes both ways. But um, but at the end of those three months, you kind of put it to bed, right? Yeah. And, and you can't obviously, triggers happen and things come up. But, but I think there was so much safety in that boundary of knowing at the end of that season, you know what? I, I've got all that I need to know. We've put that to rest. Like, let's look to the future. Let's. He can know. I'm not going to bring this stuff back up and weaponize it at him. You know, things so, will come up. But. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that was really helpful. Being in community with other people, with other women, was huge. I didn't have even before our reconciliation. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have relationships with many at all, many, especially no deep relationships with other women. And so that was something that I did not know. Sounds so silly, but like I didn't know the value of that. And so that was huge for me as well, just having support. And, and again, trust is such a hard thing because it truly, it's not measured. You know, there is no metric for it. So it really Mm. just took time. It took time. It took intentionality in our relationship with each other, you know, we we do a lot with family life and their whole thing is you're either moving towards isolation or oneness. Like there's yeah. no there's no stagnant place. So right. so right. intentionally moving towards that oneness, um, all of that, you know, it, it, it all comes together to, to rebuild that trust. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, I, I'm really curious about this personally because um I grew up in the South, so and now I'm in the Midwest, and so there's you know there's just distinct cultural differences between mm-hmm. those yeah. two things, and and you know 
and and those become even more magnified in church world. Like you see mm-hmm. those t- cultural distinctions in church world. Um, and I have I have been and am still in church leadership. And so I think those two things, growing up in the South and being in church leadership, has caused me to not truly understand what being in deep community is. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. just a confession right here. And I'm this is a journey I'm on right now. You guys are continually saying, I mean, you've said this a few times in this conversation mm-hmm. and how imperative it is in the healing process, restoration process, redemption process, just in life journeys in general, right? Is this deep, rich, authentic, transparent community. We can throw around a lot of those kinds of buzzwords because that's you go to every church conference, they're gonna talk about mm-hmm. it. You go to every, you know, in circles, they're gonna talk about that. What does that what does that mean? Can you kind of give us a little shed some light on that for you guys as you've walked through this experience? I'm sure you've un, you understand what good community is and what it's yeah. not. Yeah. Can you talk yeah, a little bit about that? I will say first, I can tell you what it's not. What we thought okay. it was okay. before cuz we we were constantly surrounded by people. We were mm. constantly involved in volunteers and and we knew a lot of people. I mean, our wedding, our, our first wedding, we had like over 200 people and we couldn't whittle it down because we just knew so many people were so involved. But nobody truly knew what was going on. And so as you were talking, I was just, I was thinking, you know, what what is good community? And I think, I so for us, we we tell our story like every chance that we get, everywhere that we go. And you would not believe, would not believe, I'm sure you know more than most how much your vulnerability, your transparency is a magnet mm-hmm. for other people. Because the reason that, commu- so the reason that uh, feels good might not be the right thing, but the, re- the reason it feels kind of sacred or almost beautiful to see someone else share like us, you know, when we're sharing what really is going on, what really happened, when you hear that on a podcast, when you see that on TV or whatever, that's a taste of what real community is. Real community is being fully known. And when you see someone else like us tell a story of brokenness, of real brokenness, it 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 creates this thing in you where you don't feel so alone anymore in your brokenness. And so don't let it end there, I guess, is my encouragement, because that that is why it's so attractive, why we do feel such a pull for real stories, because our heart is called to know, to love, to extend grace and to be given grace, to be known, to be loved. And that's that is the body of Christ. That is that is the this mysterious, mystical God. He is relationship. It is relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in this communal thing that we are invited into with them, in the flow of the Spirit, and with each other in unity and love. Yeah, and I think practically, you know, we are a part we are a part of a church that very much values that. And so, you know, the vast majority of our church our members are in small groups more so than I think the average of any other church <laughs> that we've ever known. Yeah, it's like a part and of the process. Yeah. And even our, you know, our pastors from stage share about their brokenness, their struggles with anger, their struggles with, you know, that. So it, it starts there in our church. And so we have this model of when we, we just started a new community group this past year and with fear, 
Yeah, we've been in the same yeah. one for like 12 years. So we are all brand new together, this new group oh, wow. as our church is growing. And it is a place where, you know, all there's six of us couples that we can come together, that we can not always agree on everything, that we can challenge each other, that we can share our brokenness and, and genuinely, you know, pray for each other in what yeah. we're walking through. And it's not pretty and it's hard and it's heavy sometimes, but that that is where the true life happens. And that's where we can walk away from a, a gathering and just feel full. It's like a taste of, I think it's a taste of heaven, you know, when mm. we're all together and vulnerable. Yeah, Man. Wow. So many questions are coming to my mind. Okay, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't even care about the time. I'm going to ask so many questions. Okay? Come on. Um, what I want to get to in a second, I want to get to kind of how this is the outflowing of this now and what you guys mm-hmm. are doing as far as you know, the music that you're writing and, and the things that you're releasing. But as we're walking with people, there are things that they're sharing with us behind closed doors that mm-hmm. nobody talks about on public forums, mm-hmm. right? And yet people are experiencing. And so those are the questions I usually want to ask because I can remain anonymous for them, right? It's like, mm-hmm. yeah. here's what I know people are asking right now. Yeah. Um, and this might be too vulnerable for you to share, but Stephanie, have you experienced any criticism Mm. or quote unquote, taking Chris back? Or I feel like I hear that so often, almost, and it feels like a very spiritual thing sometimes where it's like, the enemy doesn't want redemption and reconciliation to happen. And so there's, he's going to keep creeping into all it with different people in your life that are like, you shouldn't, or you, you Mm -hmm. know. And we've heard that from people who reach out to us as well, I think, because people with outside of the situation can definitely have opinions and think they know better. I think I was very spoiled in the community that I was in at the time with my family. and, And I think people that knew Chris personally were still, they were still praying for that reconciliation. Um even seeing what he was doing. I think people, most people in our, in our circle, because at that time we had just previously joined the church that we're in now. So we did yeah. have that little taste of, of that true community right before he left. But I think you had already kind of made up your mind before we even got to the church. But, um, so I, I didn't get a, a ton of criticism from the people that I think mattered the most to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a but, good distinction, by the way. That's a very good distinction. Yeah. You know? But I know um, I still remem- remember the feeling of when I first heard it. Um, when I actually, while we were apart, I started attending a young adult group at another church because I just yeah. I needed to go somewhere where people didn't know, <laughs> yeah. didn't know what yeah. I was walking through, so I could just go and like worship and you know meet new people and um, and so that group of people when they learned when the young adult pastor there learned of of him coming back because they had heard my story at that point. They were very skeptical. Because that's <laughs> that's all they knew. They only knew right, me. Right, they knew right. what I had walked through. They knew what he had done, you know. Yeah. Um, and so they I like immediately I felt my like my pride swell up and because I felt like that was a judgment of my character. And that's like the and worst really, thing yeah. you can do to an Enneagram one. Um, <laughs> they were trying to protect yeah. you. They but, were trying to protect yeah. me, but it and that that is that's hard that, you know, that's really hard, especially for people who are, you know, people pleasers or, you know, you really care about people's opinion. And that's where, man, you just have to be so tuned in to what the spirit is telling you because ultimately 
he is who <laughs> is guiding you and who knows what's best for you. And yes, please, please hear the wisdom of the people around you, yeah. if that's you, because there is wisdom in people outside of your situation. Um, but I would definitely reconcile that with other things that you're hearing, with what you're seeing in front of you. What she's saying is that if you're hearing criticism, don't just immediately dismiss it. If yeah. those people know you and they know your mm -hmm. situation, like it could be wisdom. So just take mm -hmm. that to the Lord and process that yeah. in community. Ask them questions, you know. Um, wow. Yeah, because you're could still going to have blind spots. You know, yeah, everybody right. has blind spots. But God's yeah. heart is for redemption. God's heart is for reconciliation. Yeah. Is that all in, possible? Yeah. In any sort of relational setting, if it's between two believers, right? It now is very different with a marriage, but that's true of God's heart. But you know, there's wisdom in in yeah yeah His people. You know, He gives us that yeah. community for a reason. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Yeah. He's for reconciliation because even more to the heart, of, He's He's for the wholeness of His people, mm -hmm. and so if you know, what looks like reconciliation on the surface to the world would actually lead to a more disintegration of his people. Mm. It's not truly reconciliation. And so that's where wisdom has to creep in. And that's where mm -hmm. this is so nuanced. It's not, it can't be completely black and white. Yeah. And it's yeah. why there are going to be people in your life who only have a certain sliver of vantage point that are going to, you know, try to interject their opinions on things. And it's going to be so... Again, to prop up what you guys are saying about walking with consistent, godly, safe community who know as much of you, as much of the picture as can be possible, and are able to filter that through the lens of Scripture and the Holy Spirit's movement there, that's going to be the most important thing for us. It provides a safety. There's a shelter there for us. And even more yeah. than that, spending time with—sounds <laughs> so crazy, but, you know— spending time with this experiential God, this relational God that we're talking about, you know, and silence and solitude and contemplation and giving him room to speak into those places that, that we might think we know the right answers. Yeah. But with processing and, and asking good questions, you know, different wow. things can come to the surface. So. That's so good. That's so good. Well, you know, I mean, I'm sure this is kind of in some ways fast forwarding a little bit because there's still so much of your journey that is woven into all of this. But now you guys are um, taking your your gifts, which is funny because this is all part of kind of the both the critical journey. And we talk a lot about J. Robert Clinton's book, uh, The Making of a Leader, and how God will use your gifts and your talents and kind of the building blocks of those things. And then as you go through the dark night of the soul, he infuses those things. They come to convergence. Mm -hmm. Mm. to be used for a greater purpose, a very redemptive purpose. Wow. And that's what you guys are are doing right now. And of course it's not, you know, void of its of of imperfections and brokenness throughout the whole process. That's mm -hmm. the beautiful thing about it. But tell me a little bit about this what what you're doing, kind of how you're the message you're bringing forward because of this redemption you've experienced. Yeah, well to tell I'll I'll let Steph jump in, but to tell the quick story of how we even ended up doing this. Yeah, this is the last uh, thing I ever thought I'd ever do. <laughs> <laughs> we, Steph, I so, think you would I think you would uh get along really well with my wife Christy because <laughs> she says the exact same thing. She's like, I did not want to marry a pastor. I did not want to be on any kind of public platform. I did yep, not want to like okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no. Um what was I saying? 
Oh, how we even oh right yep. started mm-hmm. doing this. So um, we, I've always, I was in the music industry. I've always been the songwriter. I kind of did it, wanted to do it, but was you know not very diligent or disciplined about it. And as we were coming back around, things were happening with us. We were remarried at this point. Uh, we knew that there was something special with our story. We just knew, you know, that there's there's power here. We don't know what that means or what to yeah. do with it, but we knew, sure. like, this is something, this is crazy. We knew that. Um, and so we went to this um, worship conference, and the worship conference had a songwriting track, a songwriting competition. And performance. And Stephanie's mom, who's always been our biggest fan, was like, do it, do it, do it. Even It doesn't matter. Just go do it. So we did it, and we just kept making it. A little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. Looking back now, it, it's it was truly terrible. Was, um, we were, we so were the bad. cream of the crap, but oh <laughs> um, uh, anyway, it was like it but, was set up like almost like an American Idol. Yeah, thing. it felt the like American Idol. Like, and they're like, "Don't say." This is like backstage. Like, don't say anything. Just you have less than thirty seconds. Just say your name. Like five seconds. Yeah, say your name wow. and and go. And we were like, "No, we're not doing that." Um, so we just told our story very, very, very quickly, and then Before we started singing. and then we sang a song that you know it's like a Brooke Fraser Aqualung song, um, <laughs> "Who Are We Fooling," which kind of you know made, little, made sense with our story. Uh, and afterward, this girl came up to Stephanie and was just bawling. I'm mm. I'm right where you were. I'm broken, lost, wow. hurting, and seeing the power immediately, like this one-to-one, we tell our story, and immediately there's this response and feedback yeah. and confirmation and affirmation and encouragement from the Spirit. So we just kept following those breadcrumbs. We started trying to write songs together, and it miraculously worked. We didn't even think that our voices w- sounded good or even, like, Before. worked, yeah. just like our personalities. Like, we genuinely, we, we were like, I don't, we don't know what to do. How do we even really lead worship together? She has this sweet voice I have cut anyway uh, but it just worked it just worked just another thing that God redeemed yeah wow. <laughs> we never would have imagined yeah. and so yeah I mean one thing led to another we just kept being honest and writing down our experiences our prayers our our hopes for people who would walk through something like that kept pouring that onto the page and in, in, in lyric and song and continued telling our story uh, and Man, to see God's work in all of that and how he can just use our brokenness over and over and over again to reveal to people his ability to work in their brokenness and in their broken season. Um, man, it's wow favorite thing yeah. I've ever done. So now, you know, our band name, Out of the Dust, it's comes from our story of what the life that God breathed into the dirt, into the dust of what was left, you know, the... Wow our marriage that was dead and the life that he and beauty that he brought out. Like that's, that's who we are as a band and our band name. And, and so, yeah, we write music. Yes. From our story, but also music that anybody that our prayers, anybody can find themselves in, in their, like you said, in their brokenness, in their struggles. We don't shy away from writing about the hard things. I think sometimes Christian music can feel a little sanitized. (laughs) And so, um, we don't. We don't ever want to be that way. And so, um, yeah. So we wow. just. We always pray that people will find the brokenness, but also the hope in our songs. Yeah, and I mean this. This is just kind of our banner, but uh, and and it can sound. I know people say things like this, but but in context of a story like ours, I think it, it hits a little harder. 
you know, our name is out of the dust and and in Genesis, God takes dirt and and there's like it's almost like this imagery of a clay figurine. Like that's yeah. kind of the the what I've heard is translated when he makes Adam, he forms Adam, breathes into his nostrils, mm. breathes his spirit. That's that word pneuma, which is spirit. He breathes yeah. his spirit. We as humans see dirt. We see brokenness. We see a season that doesn't make sense. We have questions and don't understand how God can work or move in the season that we're in. Or even we're doing pretty good, but there's this part of my life or there's this this thing that I, I don't know what God can do with this. He breathes his spirit into the things that we see as broken. And when we trust wow. him with it, he brings something beautiful out of it. And wow. that's the banner, the flag, the bell that we rang um, over and over again is that just like, you know, not just like with me not having this head heart reconciliation, um, you know, recognizing that suffering is a part of life, Mm. but that God, God is big enough, good enough to use it. Mm. And we can have faith. That's our job. Our job is to have faith and trust that he can work and move. And that brings such hope to, to and freedom to just say, I, I don't know. I don't understand. I don't know. All I see is dirt, God. But I know and trust that you can breathe into wow. this, into these dark places and make something wow. beautiful. That's amazing. It's amazing. Well, if you're listening to this on one of your podcast platforms, um, we're about to play a clip of one of, one of your songs, guys, uh, Make Us Whole. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's got it actually has the lyrics. Yep. <laughs> Nothing is wasted. Yeah, embedded every, into every it, chorus. Amazing, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so, and if you're watching on YouTube, we're going to show a little bit of the um, the actual uh, music video right here. So, look, go ahead and take a listen to this. That's beautiful, guys. It's awesome. And this, I mean, this, your story and, uh, and, and then just your spirit, which you're, you're bringing that story to the world is, is just remarkable. I, mm. I mean, I'm blown away. You said it, Chris, you said your story that you knew immediately there was some power behind it. One, it's very powerful because just pragmatically, you don't typically see people separate mm. and come back together. And what a beautiful thing to show off the heart of God. The heart of reconciliation, yeah. right? That that two people can have such you know different broken journeys, and they can come back and go, you know what? The Lord is what brings us together, and He's mm. going to heal us and mend us and make us whole. But then, even from there, it's powerful because of the way God has equipped you guys to now carry this forward and to breathe hope into people's life through your through your you know your songwriting and through your music and. I mean, I would I would affirm that. It's amazing how many times when you just start to get vulnerable with your story. I mean, you guys experienced this in the song competition, how you just become a magnet for people who are experiencing yeah. the same thing, and you realize, wait, God's going to use this. He's going to leverage this, and this may not be the platform or the microphone, so to speak, that I wanted, but but let's just see what God does with it and see how mm-hmm. he uses my brokenness to bless other people. Mm. Mm. So, Amen. um any, if, if someone is in that situation right now, you know, this girl comes up to you after 
just as, as kind of a close to this, how would you encourage them? You know, Steph, maybe you start if you're, I'm sure you've talked to so many women who have been in similar situations as you, there's someone who's listening to it right now and they're feeling the same way. They're like, I'm, I'm right there. If you're having coffee with her, what would you say? Chris, if you're having coffee with someone who is walking through the same thing you did, what would you guys say? Yeah, and we, we hear from them literally every day, every day. And please, if that's you and we can be an encouragement to you, don't hesitate to Come find, on. Us. find um, us. I think the first thing that I that I typically say is that you are not alone. <laughs> mm. You are not alone in this journey, and you shouldn't be alone in this journey. Um God sees you. <laughs> he hears you. He is for you. Um, and he will carry you through this. <laughs> At whatever that journey looks like, he will carry you. He will give you, our church says this all the time, it's like our mantra, but he will give you what you need to do what he's called you to do. And if yeah. he has called you to wait, he will help you wait well. If mm-hmm. he has called you to lay it down, he will give you what you need to lay it down and to move forward. And, um, and so that first and foremost, you know, that is the most important just to lean into him, to know that, you know, he has a journey for you. You know, if you were like me and you felt like the victim and everything's happening to you, um, God can use that season to refine you. Mm. (laughs) That's an important Mm. part of the process to become, I mean, this is more like a very worldly thing to say, but like be the best version of yourself but that that's so true even just in god being able to refine uh what's going on in your own heart so i'd start Mm. i start there well you made me think of something just that i think it i think it was john ortberg says that we in the presence of god we are closest to the truest version of ourself Mm. so um so yeah bring it like i would encourage someone who's in that like that brokenness that betrayed again we do we don't catch as many like guys you know or we do certainly catch people who are on my side of things um and maybe maybe they're wanting reconciliation but the brokenness is just too deep and they're still unknown you know there's this is is it even possible i was in that season with her where i didn't know you know i had this firm belief that god had told me this but i so if you're in any season like that, um, just the just the freedom, or at least just to hear that yeah. it's hard. Yeah, you know, we really don't like being in pain. Yeah. We really don't like suffering, and that's that's true. <laughs> you know, that is okay. But it is also okay to bring our full selves and say, God, I hate, I hate this. Yeah. And bring our full selves, you know, giving yourself the grace and space to feel and process all of the hurt, all of the grief. Like we don't, we don't do that well in our culture. Right. We don't lament well. But two-thirds of the Psalms right. are laments, right? right? Not knowing, not understanding. So there is something beautiful and deep that comes out of a lament and out of processing grief. So not being too quick to resist that suffering, resist that hurt, but trusting, like I said before, that God and having faith and trust that God will use that season and use all of it. You don't understand. You don't know. And we don't. But we have a song called The After. 
and uh, it just came out. And uh, I, I think I saw this quote somewhere, and I, I, I kind of lifted it a little bit, but it was essentially that, you know, when we're in the valley, the fog makes it so that we can't see. Mm. But one day we will get to a mountaintop again yeah. where we can look back over that valley with clarity and see the path that God had traced for us. We can't and his faithfulness through it all. And we yeah. can't see it in that season. We cannot see it by nature, by definition. You're, it is dark. It is foggy. It is hard to see. There is no clarity, but there is a perspective. There is a vantage point that you will have someday That's right. in faith if you keep walking and trusting where you can look back over that season and be able to say, look what God did, and then share that with the world so that other people who are going through that brokenness can hear from you. I know you don't understand, but you're going to get through it, and it's going to be okay. That's so good. That's so good. I often say that while you're walking through the valley, it looks dark and ominous, like you'll never get out of it. Once you get up out of the valley and onto that mountaintop, you look back over the valley, it's always a beautiful view. Mm. It's always beautiful. That's really good. That's that's the case for your story. And of course, your story is continually being written. There's still more, right? You've not reached an arrival yeah. point. Just like none of, none of us have reached <laughs> an arrival point, right? But right. we're walking this thing out. And we're continuing to press into the Lord, press into good, strong community, into each other. And so thanks for being an example of that, guys. Thank you for sharing vulnerably um, from your hearts and your, your own story. And I know this is blessing so many people as they listen to it. So where can we follow you guys? Where can we tune in more to what you guys are doing? We, you know, we're on, we're on all the socials, <laughs> just out of, at out of the dust music anywhere, you know, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the places. And our, our website, out of the dust music.com. I'd say we're probably the most active on Instagram. That's where a lot of, we've, we're really grateful for our community there and, and the conversations that we get to have through uh, messages over there. But yeah, please awesome. don't hesitate. And depending on when this comes out too, um, we're, you can see us on tour. We're headed out this summer, awesome. um, all across the country in churches and a you guys few through Indy at all? house shows. Uh, we have she's what? The, yeah, she's the we planner. have, uh, <laughs> we'll be at a church actually in September in Marion, yeah. Indiana. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Not too far from us. Not too far from us. <laughs> We'll have to reach out and. Oh, and, and South South Bend, that's Indiana. South right? Bend's a little yeah. further away. In South yeah. Bend, yeah. yeah, right on the border. <laughs> a little further away, but yeah, that's great. That's great. find us anyway. We'd love to connect. Yeah. That's awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys, so much for spending time with us. Just a wonderful story and wonderful time with you. Love it. Yeah, thanks. Really for blessed. Us. Yeah. Man, that was such and I mean I, there, I always say this so I feel like a broken record yeah. that was such a good conversation <laughs> but I really I think their story is so incredible and like so timely I yeah. can't either it's so crazy the things that God does like it's talk encouraging. about restoration it's encouraging because and yeah. here's what I love about yeah. these stories Aubrey is I shared with you you know as we as we walk with people as pastors and just friends walking with people who are going through tough times of course inevitably you're going to walk with people who are going through tough times in marriage. Yeah, right. And they hit this like really, and I don't want to say it's just like, oh, it's just a dry period. No, this is like a really pivotal crossroads in their marriage for whatever reason, right? Right. We have so many people that have listened to our sexual betrayal series. It's Mm. such a huge topic. Um, Right. And there's so many people engaging on that topic in our community platform. And so, of course, maybe it's sexual betrayal, maybe it's whatever it is. In this case, deconstructionism, Mm -hmm. walking away from the faith. But your marriage has hit this pivotal moment, and I want 
to have stories like this that I can share with those friends of mine who are walking through it and say, hey, listen, totally. don't give up hope. Yeah. Don't yeah. give up this hope. This doesn't have to be the end of your story. Yep. This doesn't have to be the end. And so I, that's what I love about sharing. Again, we talk about this a lot. Revelation 12, mm. we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And so yeah, if you're yeah. in a moment in your marriage where you're like, I just don't see how this can change. Yeah. Guess what? Chris, Chris and Steph just showed us it can change. <laughs> I mean, it is unbelievable what God did in the middle of this. And you know what I actually appreciate about about both of their journeys, really, but especially some of Chris's journey is, you know, right now, so many folks are deconstructing, and that can mean a variety of things to different people. Um, But what I appreciate about Chris's journey is saying that that was actually like really necessary for him to go through that season of deconstruction in order to arrive at the conclusion that Jesus is who he wants, you know? And I think sometimes we can be, we can be afraid of this concept of deconstruction rather than like, what is the Lord doing in this? I mean, there's a whole movement happening. What's the the Holy Spirit's at work in it. So how can we maybe even create, Mm a healthier space for those who are That's deconstructing, it. you know? Well, you guys know this. If you've been listening to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast any matter of time, we are encouraging you to ask God difficult questions. That's right. We're encouraging you. Now, here's the thing about deconstruction is underneath a lot of deconstruction is uh, pain and trauma. Yep. Because the reality is, is our, our view of God up into this season of history has, has, has been so formulated by um, abundance and prosperity yeah. that it becomes very formal. Like, like God is like this, there's this formula where it's like, Hey, if I do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. I, pl- I can please God. And I can, mm-hmm. and, and part of that is because of our Western American culture of abundance yeah. and comfort and all this. Yeah. Right. And so it gets yeah. bled into all of this. And, and so when we hit suffering, when, when pain and trauma visits our life, it doesn't compute with this God that we've constructed. Mm. Mm, isn't that so true? It causes we, can't, we don't a lot even know that, what to do. Yeah. Right. That's good. It causes a lot of it to get dismantled. And so we've just gone through two and a half years of a lot of corporate, national, yep. worldly, like worldwide trauma. Yes. You can call it. And it's causing yep. all of us to go, whoa. Mm-hmm. Well, partially because we don't have a good, solid theology of pain and suffering. Right. We're, we're having trouble seeing how God can be a good God mm-hmm. in the midst of pain and suffering. And so mm-hmm. therefore he must, right? We do one plus one equals two in this. And we go, well, therefore all of this must be, or we go, while well, I'm seeing all of these leaders who claim that God is their, you know, superior yeah. authority and yeah. that they're abusing that in their platform yeah. in various ways. And so therefore God must be an abuser if he exists. And now I doubt mm. that he exists. And so yeah. we have no moral yeah. compass or moral authority or, you know, truth is relative. So all yeah. that kind of gets deconstructed. Okay. So yeah, I'm saying all that because when we're helping you, you guys as part of the nothing is waste community, you know, if you've attended my webinar on five steps to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through, the first thing I tell you is you need to begin asking God questions of why. Ugh, That's the so first good. thing you need to go start yeah. asking him the hard questions. Ask him the hard questions. Yeah. And so I like, I love this because 
that's what he started doing. And the good thing is, is instead of just having those questions and then mm-hmm. running away from God with those questions still mm-hmm. in, in his heart, he actually mm-hmm. began to wrestle with those questions and wrestle with the Lord with those questions. And God showed up in his life. But I think the problem is, is the church, Aubrey, has not allowed space, as you said, to wrestle with those questions. And so people yeah. who are having real questions, real doubts yeah. that are very valid, they're going, yeah. well, I guess this is okay. So I'm just going to, I'm going to take yeah, my questions. Yeah, I, I can't right? ask those questions here. I can't ask them of God. I can't ask them to my church leaders. I can't. So then I guess I'm just going to take them elsewhere. And I, yeah. I think like <clears throat> one we know this, that God would so much rather us come to him with all of our questions and our doubts and our anger and our yeah. whatever than walk away in apathy, right? right? Like God would, because God wants intimacy with us and that that's means right. every part of us and that means all of those doubts. And I think also we just don't realize like that's so biblical. Like that's right. the, the majority of the scriptures are filled with these same questions of doubt yes. and suffering and God, what are you doing? Yes. God, where are you? Uh. And so I do feel like we've just missed the church, especially in the evangelical West, we've just missed the boat on what it means to right. like long suffer right. and how we do that faithfully with God. And then simultaneously, I, I mean, this goes back to a conversation you and I had a week ago about purity culture. Like, I still think that the church has not created a safe, safe spaces right. for people. We say this, the church is a safe space to bring your doubt, yeah. but we really haven't. We haven't created yeah. intentional safe spaces for people to say things that are hard for even pastors to hear, yeah. you know? That's right. uh, and, and we have to get better at that. We have to yeah. be able to do this in community so that those who are deconstructing don't feel like they have no other option yeah. but to walk away. Yeah. I think as a, as a pastor, of, of a local congregation, I, sh- I struggled with this because I'm mm. like, yeah, I want to engage those difficult questions. But my fear was, is if you begin asking too many difficult questions, like one, I'm not going to have the answer to those. Mm-hmm. Right. And that terrified me. Mm, and two, yeah. it, it was like, well, if I don't have the answers for them, if I can't provide you proper explanation for yeah. what you're going through, yeah. then, then you're going to, you're going to leave. Mm. Not just leave church, right? I mean, leave faith. Yeah. And so it was like altruistic. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, no, we've got to, they're going to go to another church. No, it was like, you're going to leave the faith. And that was mm. like, I'm like, no, I don't want that for you, right? Wow. But, but then what I realized is I started coaching people on pain. There were some yeah. things that happened. I think I've shared a couple of stories on the podcast about this where I just began to go, hey, I want you to go ask God those questions. Mm-mm. And it was like a, it was a coaching method where it was like, we're going to, mm. we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how did God show up for you there? And what I realized in that is that we're asking for explanations oftentimes and God's yeah. response is not usually explanations. Nope. It's something much greater than that. Yep. It's, it's actually incarnation, right? That's it's right. him showing yep. up and, yep. and there's this peace that passes all understanding that begins yep. to like satisfy those questions. Yeah even without answers. And we're like, yeah. wait, I can sit and rest in the fact that I don't have those answers because I know God's big enough to hold this, right? That's right. And that's what's so beautiful about providing mm-hmm. that space is people meet. Mm-hmm. So now they're not looking to you as the leader, pastor. They're not looking to you as the leader, small group, who's their savior right. with this S on your chest. They're going, no, I really trust God. 
I trust God. Yeah. And ultimately, like, you shouldn't have all the answers because you're not God. And so just to be able to be like, oh, I don't know. Go ask the Lord. I'll ask the Lord with you. Like, I think that's really good leadership, too. Yeah. Um, Aubrey so and I, I are lo- obviously going to talk about this for, in terms of leadership yeah. because that's the way we think of it. But yeah, I want sorry. you guys to. I was just thinking that we need to transition away from. But I want you to apply this. Yeah. We, yeah. Like, let's, yeah. Help the, let's help our listeners apply. Like, ask God mm-hmm. the difficult questions. Yeah. Yeah. You Go have permission and blessing to do so. And he'll show up. I yeah, promise he you. Will. He, he will. He absolutely show up. will. He will show up in ways that only he can show up. There's mm-hmm. a personal ministry presence of the Holy Spirit that happens Mm -hmm. in these deep, dark nights of the soul and these difficult seasons that you're going through where, where he makes himself known and he makes himself real. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And and that's what we want to encourage you with. Now we have so many resources, so many things that can help you with that. Um, We are not going to be the answers to this. I mean, we're going to kind of help you know, I can tell you, hey, here's how God showed up in my story. It can inspire you. It can help to frame some of that out. Aubrey can say, here's how God showed up in my story. Mm-hmm. Our certified coaches can tell you, here's how God showed up in yeah. our stories. And yeah. it kind of helps to frame it. But God, God's writing a unique story in your life. That's right. And and so we want to help you with that. Aubrey, tell them where I'm talking yeah, way too much. You tell I, no, them no, where no, we... No, <laughs> no, I was just thinking. I was, you're on a roll. No, I, this is what we would love to invite you to do. We'd love to invite you to go to nothingiswasted.com slash community because we have our community platform, which is it has launched. It's pretty new, but it's very active and lively. We also have our community plus there as well. Again, nothingiswasted.com slash community. But look, we have resources. We've got coaches. We've got yeah. conversations. We've got content. Yeah. Man, I'm rolling out the C's. That's what other right. C's do we have, Davey? <laughs> we've no, got we, courses. We, yeah, the we've got the courses. Course. <laughs> we, I mean, yeah. and I, we're being funny here, but we really yeah. do have a meaningful body of work in order right. to resource you and walk with you through all of the questions that you have of God in your in your pain journey, because we truly believe that nothing is wasted. We truly believe that whatever it is you're walking through right now, that um, God is there and God yeah. is inviting you into something deeper with him. And so again, go to nothingiswasted.com slash community to find out more about how you can be part of our community platform, our community plus platform as well. We That's also great. want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all of the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You can find his music wherever it is you listen to your music. And as always, we love to engage with you on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries at Davy Blackburn yeah. at Obsamp. Davy, do you want to tell the people next week, about next week's episode? It's a good next one. Week, I was I was so thrilled about this conversation. I had not heard of this guy before. Maybe I'm living under a rock or something. But when I had this conversation, I was like, Oh my gosh, you embody Nothing Is Wasted. Everything yeah. he was saying was like all the things that we're preaching, and that we're teaching, and that we're talking about, and that we're discussing. And and here's the thing: this is awesome. His name is John Onwuchekwa. John Onwuchekwa. Onwuchekwa. Now, if you if you see this, I would like I saw his name and I was like, whoa, oh my gosh! And yeah. I asked him, I said, yeah. how do you pronounce your name? He goes, yeah. man, it's so phonetic. It's Onwuchekwa. <laughs> That's it. John Onwuchekwa is brilliant. And you're going to love this conversation that we have with him about grief and loss and the church and all this. It's powerful. So go ahead and take a listen to this little clip from my conversation with John on Wuchekwa. I heard one message at the conference that I was supposed to speak at. And he preached on first Thessalonians four, how we don't grieve as those who grieve when we lose loved ones because we have hope. That night at dinner, 
um, we're sitting at a steakhouse and I get a phone call from my mom and, you know, I ignore it because it's like, that's ah, just my mom. She'll call back. Well, she keeps on calling. So I take the phone from her and she, uh, or I take the call from her. She's like, Hey, we're having problems tracking down your bigger brother. Can you just call around and find him? And, yeah. you know, a few calls later, I'm on the phone with my god brother and I think I heard him say, oh, Sam passed out. And it's like, oh, he passed out. Is he okay? And he's like, no, 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 Sam passed away. Oh, wow. And it was, right? And you know, like, when you get that news, it's just surreal. It's like, nah, no, like, what? And I just remember breaking down outside of the steakhouse, just being like, Sam's, Sam's dead, Sam's dead. And it's funny the things you remember. Like, I remember the faces of the people that were out there that I'll never see again. I remember, like, not just that my knees were shaking, but how they shook. And it was just, like, rented a car in my, you know, co-pastor, one of my best friends, Richard, drove me home from Orlando to Atlanta. And I was just sitting with the fact of he's gone.